Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Well, how are you doing this morning, Legacy Church? It's good to see you and uh, good to be with you. I heard Pastor Tim ruffled some feathers last week, and so we're so thankful for my dad coming in. Uh, I believe we were talking about it before he spoke last week. I believe this is the first time in over 20 years that he has spoken at this church. And so we're so thankful for his input, his wisdom. And uh, that won't be the last time that we see him. We'll see him again. And uh, we're so thankful for my mom and dad. And uh, so, well, we're going to continue in this series. Again, I, 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 I keep telling myself I'm not going to say this. But every time I say this, I go very, very long. Uh, I don't intend to be very long today. Um, and I really don't intend to be very long today. Uh, but I do want to end this series. I believe this is the longest series that we have done in the last four years of this church. And uh, I can't believe we've been in week nine. Nine weeks. Can you believe it? It's been nine weeks. And I, I've been so thankful for... Uh, not only this series, thankful for Pastor H, thankful for Pastors Ty and Sharon and stepping in, thankful for Simon and speaking a week, and then as well as Pastor Tim. And uh, it's just been so awesome. And, uh, you know, I think we could keep going on this series, but I feel like today, I feel like today is the ending. And so we wanted to end this today. And uh, has anybody ever, does anybody like, is anybody addicted to TikTok and you just like watch TikTok endlessly for hours? Uh, he, he, some, somebody raised their hand back there. They admitted it. They have a problem. Uh, we have TikToks Anonymous available for you. Um, no, but what's so interesting, and I was thinking about this as I, I was, as, as was uh, kind of studying this week and the ending of this. And over the last eight weeks, we've given you just half of the equation. And so for the next eight weeks, I think it would be a little more. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're not going to go another eight weeks, but... What's so funny about TikTok, if you watch TikTok, TikTok, the beginning of the video, if you watch it, is the end of the video. And the end of the video is the beginning of the video. And so that's what I kind of feel like today is. It's the beginning, but it's also the end, but it's also the beginning, but it's also the end. And the reason they do that on TikTok is because they found that people tend to watch the video multiple times if it ends where it began. And so that's our hope for this series, is our hope for this series is as we're ending today, even though it's the beginning, that this would be something that you would go back to over and over and over again, because I believe uh, that generosity and stewardship is who we were created to be. Generosity is who we, what we were created to do, and stewardship is what we were created to do in the kingdom of God. And so again, this series, like I said, is kind of a TikTok reel. I'm ending at the beginning. And so we're going to add the second leg uh, to this equation. And so um, 
you know, knowing that if we give with the right heart, that God will bless us, that he will bless us. But that's the key, giving with the right heart. Giving with the right heart. If we're giving with a selfish motive, I don't believe that's going to bring the blessing of God, that we need to give with the right heart. We don't trust in the things of this world. We trust in God. And that's why we call this series Trust Fund, because we trust in God. And I don't know about you, but maybe over this series, you begin to realize that maybe you didn't trust him as much as you thought you trusted him and that you had to bring things back into alignment. But we must be obedient knowing who we trust in because his, one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. Am I right? Jehovah Jireh, that's, they wrote a song about it. Jehovah Jireh. Jireh, you are enough. Because his name is Jehovah Jireh. That means the Lord will provide. He will, not the Lord is going to, the Lord will provide. And I believe that. I believe that. Everything we've taught up to this point has only been half of the equation. And so uh, we needed the first eight weeks for you to understand the faith side of things to hear the stories, to understand what God can do. We've told testimonies of how God has blessed people. Uh, we've told stories of Pastor Robert Morris. We've told stories of personal blessing. And I know even during this series and even after the Legacy Faith Offering that people have been blessed uh, tremendously. And, and I don't say that to discourage you because maybe you wrote on your envelope something that you were believing for and maybe it hasn't happened yet. It's only been two weeks, but blessing has already been taking place through those who participated in that. And I say that not to discourage you because it hasn't happened yet. I say that to encourage you because God is at work. He is moving. It's so funny. I, my pastor, Rach, as she filled out her envelope, Within two hours of giving her offering, within two hours, what she wrote on her envelope ended up happening. Within two hours. And I say that somebody else, I heard somebody else, they faithfully gave and they sacrificially gave during the offering. And within two days, they were blessed. Within two days. So I, I say that to encourage you. In the very same way that God supernaturally blesses when you give generously, God will supernaturally bless you and when you operate your finances according to his word. Let me say that again. He will super, just, he, just as he will supernaturally bless you when you give generously, he will supernaturally bless you when you operate your finances according to his word. Well, you say, Pastor Matt, I, I, I've heard this series. I've listened to this series. You know, I, I, everything is good. Everything is great, but you don't know my situation. You don't know my, my financial situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know that I live on government assistance. You don't know that I don't have any uh, disposable income. You don't know that I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. You don't know these things, Pastor Matt. And I understand that. But remember, the ending is the beginning. And the beginning is the ending. Everything we've taught up to this point automatically assumes that you have money. It automatically assumes that you have money. Well, we're going to read from Deuteronomy 28 today. It says, the Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. Can I point something out to you today? He will bless the work that you do. There's a, there's a swear word in there that we've learned over this last generation, work. I ask my kids all the time, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a famous YouTuber. 
There's no concept of work. What they see is they see the fame, they see the glory, but they don't see the work that goes on behind the scenes. The countless hundreds of hours a week that are put in just to make one video and for 10 people to see it. He will bless the work that you do. I know some older people that think work is a bad word. We work and work and work so we don't have to work anymore. But I, know, I also know on the other side of it that work can become an idol. And what I want you to understand today before we get into it is the, the spectrum that is people that, that, that are going through it. People will work religiously for a family they don't know. They'll just work and work and work and they don't know their family. Because they're working so hard for the family that they don't know. They don't understand. They don't know the intricacies. They don't know the details. They'll just work and work and work because I love my family, but I don't even know my family. But on the other side of it, people don't work at all because they don't even believe it's worth it. I want to show you this spectrum today. I want you to understand this, that God will bless the work that you do, but you must work. Work was given to Adam before Eve even existed. Work was given to the man. Women, if your man don't work, you might want to reconsider before you say, I do. Work. From the beginning, before Adam got an Eve, he had to work. But work was not a punishment in the fall. It was a prerequisite in the garden. If we don't get this, if we don't understand this, then we'll miss out on the destiny that God has for us. The scripture says that you will lend to many nations. Well, you can't lend to many nations if you don't have it. You can't lend to many nations if you're borrowing it from somebody else. Matthew 6, 33. But first, and most importantly... Seek, and this is the amplified version, but first and most importantly, seek or aim at or strive after his kingdom and his, and his righteousness. Like I said, the beginning is the ending. We've read the scripture all throughout. His kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God, all of these things will be given to you also. Like I said, I'm not going to be long today. So the title of my message today is money requires management. Everybody say money requires management. Now, what we haven't talked about all throughout the series over the last eight weeks uh, is the word stewardship. Stewardship is this, the job of supervising or taking care of something such as property. It's the management of the property of someone else. That's what stewardship is. So we must understand all throughout this. We must understand that we, we are either owners or we're stewards. But in this kingdom life that we are, we're called to be stewards, not owners. And that's the problem. And I think a lot of us believe that we're owners. Now think about this, if you're renting a house, which Pastor Rach and I rent a house, and there's been a number of things that have gone wrong over our year and a half living in this house. Dave's been over, he's fixed a toilet for us. Guess what, Dave? Remember when you, you billed us for that work? Guess what? We didn't pay for that. Who paid for that work? The landlord paid for that, right? When you live in someone else's house, 
It's someone else's responsibility. When you live in someone else's house, when you live in someone else, there's a landlord. Everybody say landlord. The Lord of the land. He is the Lord of the land. Who is the Lord of your land? If God owns it, he fixes it. If God owns it, he takes care of it. If there's a broken toilet leaking, we send Dave and then God pays for it. Who is the Lord of your land? Now on the other side, maybe you're staying at somebody's house. Has anybody ever stayed in an Airbnb? You go to this beautiful house. You go to this nice place. Everything's in the proper order. They've laid the blankets like perfectly across the bed and perfectly out, just out of the basket. It's like, how do you even lay a blanket like that out of the basket to look so beautiful? If you've ever been to an Airbnb, how many know you take care of it and you try to restore it when you leave? And maybe you're not like me and my wife, but you try to restore it when you leave better than when you got there. I heard somebody say this. They said that, you know, the, the, uh, the pastor said this, that there's many people in their church that had vac vacation homes and they stopped, they stopped saying no or stopped saying yes to going to these vacation homes because the pastor's wife on the last day wouldn't allow him to touch anything. She's like, he goes, I'm going to go take a nap. She goes, no, you're not. I already made that bed. I already cleaned that room. I dusted it. I put everything back in its proper order. She, so the, the pastor goes, well, I, I just, I took a nap on the floor. <laughs> has anybody ever been like that? Where when you go and you see what someone has and when you see the beauty of the Airbnb, it's like, okay, I gotta, I, it's just the, the whole problem with that model and with that understanding is when you go on vacation, you have to book an extra day just to clean the house before you leave. Just wasting time. But you take care of it. You treat it better when you don't own it. When you see it, when you don't own it, when you're taking care of someone's kids, how many know when you're taking care of someone's kids, my kids haven't lived at home for the last two days. My wife and I asked each other last night, do our kids even love us anymore? Do they want to live with us anymore? But how many know when you're taking care of someone else's kids, you'll keep an eye on them more than you'll keep an eye on your own kids. Why? Because it's someone else's. It's someone else's responsibility. It's someone else's value. It's someone else's when we recognize that it doesn't belong to us, it brings a sense of urgency with how we handle it. The problem is a lot of times we think we own it. How many know if you drive somebody else's car, this is something I was always taught growing up. If you ever borrow somebody else's car, you better believe you're going to vacuum it. You're going to wash it. You're going to wax it. You're going to fill it with gas before you ever give it back. That's what my dad always taught me. You drive it, you fill it with gas when you return it. Why? Because you're taking care of someone else's ownership. But the problem is a lot of times we think we own it. So we throw our trash on the front seat. I was on a trip recently and someone let me borrow their car for about 15 minutes. I got in the car. I looked in the left uh, door pocket and it was stacked to the brim and overflowing with garbage. 
I looked in the right door pocket, stacked and overflowing to the brim with garbage. I looked in the center console, stacked and overflowing to the brim with garbage. I think there was even some McDonald's barbecue sauce in there, open and spilling. I looked in the right passenger seat on the floor, filled with garbage. So what did Pastor Matt do? He took an extra 15 to 20 minutes and he took all the garbage out and he cleaned it up and he returned it in better condition than when he got it in the first place. Can you imagine that we claim that we own anything at all? And that's been the mindset of this world that we live in. Can you imagine us saying that anything belongs to us? See, the question is today, are you going to give it back to God better than when he gave it to us? Are you going to give back to God better than when he gave it to you in the first place? Are you the owner or the manager? We're going to read today from the parable of the talents. And I know we've read this a few times during this series, uh, but we're going to read it today. Now, what I want you to understand before we read this is that a talent is not talking about an ability. Talent is talking about money. We, some people believe it talks about ability. I will prove it to you in a moment, but a talent is talking about money. Now, the question is, the only debate about this is whether it was silver or gold. And I'll show you in just a moment. But some people believe that this is talking about ability, but it's actually talking about a sum of money. Now, I'll show you this after, uh, uh, after we read this. But a talent is a value of money. And we'll show this in just a moment. But Matthew 25, 14 through 29 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So let me just put this into perspective. The man who is traveling is Jesus and the servants are Christians, are believers. And it says, And to one he gave five talents. To another, two talents, and to another, one. To each, according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. At least he got it right that it was his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And he went and hid, and went and hid the talent in the ground. Look, 
There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. One of them's one translation says, at least you could have done is put it in the bank. And at my coming, I will have received back my own with interest. So take the talents from him who has buried it and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And here's where I want you to see the value and see. We all feel bad for the man with one talent, don't we? But one talent equaled, let me give you a little history of what this represents. One talent equals 10,000 denarii. Everybody say denarii because it's just fun to say. One talent equals 10,000 denarii. A denarius, which is the singular, was a day's wage. So a denarius, one denarius was a day's wage. A denarii, which is plural, was multiplication, right? So we have to understand that 300 denarii was equal to a year's wage. 300 denarii was equal to a year's wage, which means 10,000 denarii was equal to a lifetime of wages. So one talent or 10,000 denarii would be equal to a lifetime of wages. Now what we have to understand, and here's what, what's so cool about numerology in the Bible. 10,000 denarii, would be equal to 33 and a third years worth of wages, which is exactly the amount of time that Jesus was on the earth. Retirement at this age, because the life expectancy was not nearly as high even as it is today. Retirement at this age uh, was at the age of 50. So what I want you to understand is that one talent was equal to a lifetime of wages. See, we all feel bad for the man with one talent. But my question is today, what are you doing with a lifetime of wages? You think, oh, he's just, he only had one. Jesus, you only gave him one. Poor guy. No wonder he wanted to bury it. No, 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 no. It was a lifetime of wages. He had enough to live for the rest of his life. It was a lifetime of wages. What, did, what are you doing with a lifetime of wages? Matthew 25, going back into verse 15. And to the one, he gave five talents. To another, two. And to the other, one. And here's what I want you to understand. Each according to their own ability. It was according to their ability to manage it. It was according to their ability to handle it properly. The amount given is according to the availability to handle it and manage it properly. I want you to see this because money requires management. And if you want to be blessed, blessing will come when we manage our money properly. You can take the Bible out of all of this. And this is a principle that will go on even in the secular world. If you manage your money properly, there will be more that will come. There will be blessing that will come. You want to get to the next level. We must reassess how you are handling what is in your hand. And we get to, we, when we get to the end of this passage, it says, well, you wicked and lazy servant. In other words, he did nothing with it. 
He didn't multiply it. He buried it. He didn't even put it in the bank to collect interest. If he would have put it in the bank to collect interest, it would have been better than burying it. Would have been better than putting it under the mattress. Would have been better than doing anything else than what he did. He said, you wicked and lazy servant, you did nothing with it. You ate it. You're wearing it. You're driving it. You're living in it. You did nothing with it. In this moment, Jesus used the word money and the servant, at least he was wise enough to say, it's my master's money. But what's so interesting and what's so crazy is we usually compare what God gave us to what God gives someone else. Oh God, this is what you gave me. But, but look at, look at over. What about them? Why did you give them five and me one? Why did you give him two and me one? Why God? Because it was according to their ability to handle it. Their ability to manage it. Their ability to look after it and not only look after it, but to multiply it. Sometimes we think money in the kingdom is based on availability. Well, God, like, you know, I know, you know, you spoke to this person to give over there and, you know, they're, they're probably just tapped out. They're like, no, 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 no. He's the creator of the universe. It's not based on availability. There's not like he only has so much. It's not like the library. He only has so much money that he can give out and then it's got to be returned. And then he can give. No, no, no. He is the creator of the universe. He owns everything. He owns everything. Money in the kingdom is based on your availability to manage it. Now, here's the thing. I want everybody to have more than enough. I want everybody to live in abundance. But maybe you've been praying, God, if you would just give me more. Maybe you've been praying, God, if I just had this job or if I just had this career that would produce this. What if you would stop praying if you got that? What if you got that and God answered your prayer and you would just stop praying? Well, I'm good. we're good now, God. I don't really need you. What if you stopped praying if you had more than enough? But maybe if you had more, it would cause more damage than it would good. Because you're not to a place yet where you can handle it properly and steward it properly. Maybe we're not the storehouse that we need to be for the blessing to come. What if I gave you $10,000 today? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give everybody $10,000 today. And then I'm going to check back in in a month, but I'm not going to tell you that. I could probably guarantee you that most of you would have blown that within a month. Wow, $10,000. Well, we'll, we'll save a thousand and we'll go on vacation with the other nine. If I don't know how to handle it, how could I trust you with more? If I don't know how you're going to handle it in that moment, if I don't know how you're going to handle it, I can't trust you with more. What if God is ready to give you more, but you're not ready to handle what he's about to give you? I know this feels a little bit like a slap in the face. I'm right in there with you. I'm preaching to myself. In fact, I had them install a mirror so that I could just look at myself. What if he's ready to give you more, but you're not ready to handle it? See, I think 
in the church and in the kingdom, we have a kid mentality. We have a Veruca Salt mentality. But daddy, I want a golden goose and I want it now. But I want to be blessed and I want it now. What did Veruca got everything she wanted, didn't she? She got thrown away. <laughs> we have a kid mindset in the kingdom. We act like our own kids when we don't get what we've been praying for, when we don't get what we've been believing for, when we don't get what we've been standing for. But, but dad, you don't love me because you didn't buy me that candy bar. But God, do you really love me because you didn't pay my bills this month? And we have a kid mentality. Do you really love me, God? Can I tell you something? Being a father to currently two eight-year-olds, one's about to be nine. A good father, a good parent knows how much your kids can handle. Have your kids ever tried when they were younger, when maybe they were a little smaller, tried to pour the milk into the cereal only to spill it all over the counter and create a bigger mess? Or maybe take a gallon of orange juice and just try to be nice to mom and dad that morning. And yet you come down and there's a gallon of milk and a gallon of orange juice all over the counter and all over the floor. Why? Because they weren't in the place to handle something that was beyond them. They weren't in the place to handle the container yet. See, when we manage what we cannot handle, it creates a bigger mess than we're willing to clean up. Just like our kids. But I wanted cereal. Yeah, but you just wasted milk. If you would have just listened when I told you, it's too heavy for you. It's too much for you. You're not going to be able to handle it just yet. When you manage what you cannot handle, it creates a bigger mess than you really want. Money requires management. Now, can I just say this? Because this isn't just for people that don't have any money. Let me just correct this for a second. This isn't for people that just don't have any money as well. This is for people that have money too. 16% of NBA players go broke by year 12. 16%. Multi, multi, multi million dollar contracts broke after 12 years. 78% of NFL players find themselves in se severe financial hardship when their career ends. 78%. If you play in the, NF, in the CFL, you're just trying to make it through the season. One out of three lottery winners are bankrupt after the first three years. So just because you might have money doesn't mean you're managing it properly. Now, I'm not here today to tell you how to manage your money properly. I'm here to show you that the word says that if we manage properly, it'll bring more blessing. Because money only magnifies who you really are. I can picture God saying, well, I saw how they handled the 500 that they gave them. 
So I don't know that I could give them the thousand. I saw how they handled the thousand that I blessed them with. I don't really know if I can trust them in this moment to give them the 10,000. I saw how they handled the 10,000. I don't really know if I can trust them in this moment to give the 100,000. God is a good father and he won't give you something that will destroy you. But we must learn to manage properly. I'm going to say this to you today, and this is something I've said to myself. Stop praying for more money and ask God how, can, how to change what you have right now, how to change the mindset for what you currently have. Stop praying for more. God, how can you reveal to me what I currently have? How can I use this? How can I bless someone? How can I get out of this financial hardship? How can I do this? Dave Ramsey, in a recent post, found that in a study of most millionaires, they share, uh, I believe it's five of the same traits. And he said this, he said, make every dollar behave. Stand in agreement with your spouse. Here's a big one. Stop borrowing money. Invest and be generous. Let me say those again. Make every dollar behave. Stand in agreement with your spouse on purchases and everything you do. Stop borrowing money. Invest and be generous. He did a study across numerous amounts of millionaires, and they all shared these five same traits. Make the money behave. When you feel it burning a hole in your pocket, make it behave. Tell it who's the boss, not Tony Danza. You're the boss. But why do they all share these same traits? They share these same traits because it's all in part to proper management. We think the key to more blessing is more money, but I believe the key to more blessing is more management. I believe the key to more blessing yeah, we have to stand in faith. Yeah, there's those moments where we got to trust God when he says, give it. You've been saving it. You've been saving it because I've been waiting for you to give it. We have to trust God in that. But I believe the key to more blessing is more management. My question today is, can you handle more? Because we have to recognize that we are God's bank. That he has deposited his money in us. And he's expecting us to handle it properly, to protect it, and to multiply it, to expand it. But are you an owner or are you a manager? When we recognize that we are managing his funds, it will give us more awareness of how we are using it. We have an ownership mentality when we should have a stewardship mentality. That everything that we have, he gave us so that we can handle it, that we could steward it, that we could look after it, that we could protect it, that we could multiply it, that we could bless those. Going back to the parable of the talents, more was given to those who multiplied it and produced more. I believe that more will be given to those who manage properly. Maybe in this next season, that means to reevaluate. Maybe to go back through. Maybe to look at your bank account. 
Maybe to say, oh, I didn't realize I spent that much on Amazon this month. It's real easy, isn't it? To go back and to reassess, to go back and to look, to go back and to... You want more to manage? Steward what he's already given you. I bet you once things are in order, that more blessing will flow. Like I said, this is the second leg. We've given you one leg over the last eight weeks. And this is the second leg today. They go hand in hand. The beginning is the ending. The ending is the beginning. Yes, you need faith. Yes, you need understanding. But yes, you need to manage properly. I want God to look at us at the end of this all and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over what I've given you. You have been faithful over your lifetime. And I will make you a ruler over many things. That's what I want for this house. That's what I want for you and your family. That's what I want for your grandkids. Is that when God looks at us, he says, well done. Well done. He doesn't want us to be a slave to anybody. He doesn't want us to be a slave to MasterCard. He doesn't want us to be a slave to Visa. He doesn't want us to be a slave to American Express. He doesn't want us to be a slave to the government. When he created us, he created us to have dominion over the earth. He wants you to be a ruler over many things. But he needs us to reproduce and multiply what he's already given us. So here's what we want to do as a church. You say, well, Pastor Matt, the stories and the blessing and the everything that we've heard over the last eight weeks, it's all good, it's all great. But I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a hole. I'm stuck paying, robbing Peter to pay Paul just to make it through the month to pay my credit card bills. So we want to give you three practical things that are available to you today if you need them. The first thing is this. We're going to start a free stewardship course, which is based off of uh, some Dave Ramsey material. And so we have a wonderful couple in this house that embody this and they live this and they know this and they understand this, who have told us that they're willing to teach this. And we're so excited to offer this to our house. So we were starting with a free financial stewardship course. It'll give you all the practical tools to help you. The practices to put things in proper order, put them in the right place to manage properly. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're going to have to humble yourselves and you're going to have to say like, Hey, I actually need help because we can't help people that we don't know are in situations that they won't, aren't willing to talk about. And I know it's hard sometimes, maybe as a man in this house, and I would encourage you if you're a man in this house and you know, this is you, please, there is nothing wrong with asking for help. There's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, we're not great at this and we need more help. This is for this house. It's free of charge. We're not charging anything for this. But again, it will require you to humble yourselves. But here's the issue is we have a problem telling people we're struggling. And we can't help you if we don't know what you're going through. But here's the second thing, and this isn't for everybody, but it is available. 
Now, I wish we could make this free. Just not in the cards this year. But what we do have is we do have a debt consolidation lawyer available to us who is willing to discount all of his services to help you find financial freedom when it comes to your debt. He told me, he said, Matt, he said, there are more people than you realize struggling and drowning in debt. And they don't realize that Ontario has ways to help them out of it. He said, that's what I felt like I need to do in this next season. And so he's going to be available to this house. But then there's one more thing, what we want to do. And again, this is all outside of the lawyer. It's all taken care of by this house is we want to provide one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you've gone through the stewardship course and you say, I still have questions. I still don't know how to get out of the position that I'm in. What we're going to offer is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Someone to help you look at your budget. Someone you say budget. What is that word? Someone to help you create a budget. If you haven't done it through the stewardship course. Someone that can sit down and say, okay, here's the attack plan. Here's how in the next five years that we can get you to a place where you have disposable income. Here's how in the next five years we can get you to a place where you can bless more people. Here's how in the next five years, three years, one year, I don't know what that looks like for you. But we've taken nine weeks to show you what the Bible says. And like I said, the ending is the beginning. Money requires management. None of us are perfect at it. We all can fall short. We all can run into walls and barriers that seemingly try to take us out. But if this house is here for anything is to give you everything, every tool to put in your hand so that you can see, can succeed, so that you can be blessed, so that you can live a blessed life. So there's gonna be a sign up on the Church Center app. I believe it just says stewardship course, but if you're interested in any of these three things, please just sign up. We don't have a specific date yet. It will be coming soon. We're still working on getting the materials. It'll be coming very, very soon. But if you're interested in any of these things, three things, please just put your sign up on the Church Center app or you can see our team after service and they can help you sign up for that. But we truly believe in this. We truly believe that this house is to be a blessed house, that your house is to be a blessed house, that your kid's house is to be a blessed house, that your grandkids' kids will live in a blessed house. And not just blessed financially, but blessed in life. How much stress can be taken off if you walk through these things? And that's what we're here to help with. And that's why we want to help in this way. That's what a church is called to do is stand together, to be a community, to help one another when they're in need, to help one another when someone is struggling, when someone is going through it. But please, you must be able to speak about it. Sometimes I think 
we have this mentality in this house of, because we have legacy care, and if you don't know what legacy care is, it's there for this house. To help those, maybe you have a need, maybe you're struggling to do something. We're gonna do everything within our power to make sure that you're not struggling in that way. And I've seen request after request after request. I'm like, I hate to ask. I don't wanna ask. We're in this situation. Please, please, please. That is what legacy care is there for. That we can love our community, that we can bless those that sit in these pews week in and week out, that serve week in and week out. We're not just here to take, 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 as some people think church is for. We're here to give, 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 give. And when I tell you we're just waiting, we were waiting on the final numbers, when I tell you the amount of the legacy offering that came in and how we're gonna be able to give it out, you're gonna be amazed at what God has done. Again, it's not for us, it's to give out. And I've got big God dreams. And we're excited for what God is doing in this church, in Legacy Church, in this community because we believe wholeheartedly that this will be a house that will be blessed. And because of that, your house is blessed. Amen, church. Amen. Well, God, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for every person in the sound of my voice, for every person watching online, for every person that hears this over the next month, whenever it may be. God, we believe that Legacy Church in Hamilton and Kitchener is a church and a house that will be blessed. And it's a blessed house because the people are blessed, that they're living a blessed life, that they're living a life that they're able to look at someone and answer their prayer, to write that check, to bless them in a certain way. I believe that so wholeheartedly. So God, I thank you that you are making our houses blessed homes. You are making this church a blessed house. God, I thank you that you will just release financial breakthrough in this next season. Yes, we have to get some things in order, but I believe when we get them in order, there, there will be such a breakthrough that the walls will be broken down, that the opportunities will open up, that blessing will flow. God, I believe that. I'm standing on that for this house. In Jesus' name, maybe you're in here today and you say, I know this was a message about money, but there's something different about this place. Can I tell you, we believe in someone named Jesus who came to this earth and he died for you and I so that we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live in sickness, but that we can be transformed from the inside out, that we can be renewed, that we can be whole, that we can be blessed. You say, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about, and I would love to know him today. If that's you, as all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just ask you to raise your hand in this moment. We just want to pray together as a church. If that's you in this place, maybe you're watching online. You say, hey, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. Maybe you're in this place, and this is the first time you've been to church in a long time, and you say, I've fallen far away from God. And I want to renew that commitment today. 
If that's you, just raise your hand. If you're in here, I see your hand, sir. We want to pray today. Can church, can we pray together? God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Today, I repent of my sins. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today, I give you my life. Re renew me. Change me. Transform me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Come on, let's rejoice this morning. For those who said yes, let's rejoice this morning. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.